Hey guys and welcome to episode 15 on this episode I speak with Haseeb Ibrahim and we talk all about homeschooling how to do it and what's it all about enjoy listeners out there who don't know you uh, could you just introduce yourself who you are and what you do yeah so I am Haseeb Ibrahim I'm the youth schooler I was a tech entrepreneur for, for many many years and then what happened in COVID with the supply chain stuff and the chip shortage, it really impacted my business. And about the same time, I was, I had three children and they were, we were, we were thinking about homeschooling them. But when my, my oldest was about to join school and that made the decision to homeschool them really easy uh, because all kids were off school. And that that enabled us to try it. And then as I began to try it, I started to research everything about homeschooling. And I learned so much about it. And I began to realize how how negative school actually was. Wow. And how and how people didn't there was no awareness for this subject. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even during COVID times for me. Well, we're basically everyone was homeschooling by default, pretty much. And um, I wasn't in that stage yet because my kids weren't old, old enough to go to school because they're quite young at the time. And then as you look into it, as you look into the background of schooling, um, what did I actually learn? And even you start thinking about yourself, like I start thinking, like, what did I actually learn from school that is actually beneficial for me day to day? And you start to realize that actually, I remember this specific line from my dad years ago. Um it was a parents evening with my geography teacher and my dad was just like, so what's he going to do with this when, when he leaves school? <laughs> I can't remember what the answer was, but even back then I still remember it to this day. And I'm thinking like, yeah, so what I'm going to do with geography, like, okay, I'm doing great at geography, but so what? So I'd like to just go through a little bit, the actual process you went through when you were, you said that you, there was no research out there for homeschooling. So what could you just go through the step-by-step um, process that you went through emotionally and, you know, through um, your partner and what it was like for your kids? If you go through that, please. Yeah, absolutely. So it was actually my partner who got me into it. Um, I, for lack of a better word, I didn't know any better. I thought school is just the typical path that all parents put their kids through. And actually, I was looking forward to school happening for my child because we had three kids at the time. And I could see that my my partner was struggling. And I thought, right, well, if we introduce school for the older one, then maybe that'll take the weight off for her. And then she just suggested to herself that she didn't want to send them to school. And I thought, okay, well, you're so passionate about it. I'll, I'll look into it. Because I can imagine in a relationship that can be like a tipping point. Whereas one, obviously one person says no, the other person says yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, props to you to be like, all right, I'll look into it. Cause some people like, like dead cert, like nah, like school is school. What do you mean? What do you mean? They're not going to go to school. They're going to be homeschooled. Cause I think originally, when when I when I thought about homeschool, you just thought, okay, so it's going to be the same uh, way of schooling in the home, but it's actually not like that, is it? Oh no, no, not at all, not at all. I mean, it's not really homeschooling; it's world schooling. Yeah, because yeah. now your kids are not locked up in school; you can take them out into the world. 
And you think about when you were at school, how alien that concept was to be out in the world nine to three, Monday to Friday. You kind of felt almost secluded from the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll give you one example. Like I was really, really introverted at school and like no one helped me with that. So when I left, when I left school, went to college and I only realized when two of my friends said, oh my, you're really quiet. I was like, am I? In my head, I was like, am I? Oh, there goes my earphones. Um, where did it go? Sorry. Um, yeah. And I was like, am I? And then, then as the years go by, I'm starting to work on myself and doing it by myself, but no one helped me with it. I just work out myself. But imagine if, I mean, I don't know whether it was a block or but more of a more of a social thing i realized in social social situations it was a block and like like you said mm. when you're in school you're only literally in school you're not you don't experience the outside world and um you know as i grew older looked uh, looked in more into personal development and things like that I was like shit this is actually important for just mm-hmm. you know day to day and like being in the real world but i'm just going a step back because um we were starting to talk about the steps that you took into yeah. you know, uh, researching it and actually diving into it so okay you said that you said to your partner that okay you look into it so what was that like then yeah so the first step i did was i went to facebook and i looked for homemade communities and then when i was in those communities i was listening to the conversations people were having and there were book recommendations there and i was a i was a big reader i love books please i love reading i love listening to books as well and when i started to go look at these books they were basically laying it all out for you like this is what's wrong with school this is the way kids really learn if you give them this amount of room they will thrive better you know and then that became you know I almost went from being sort of against it to now I'm championing it and I I, I started to (laughs) talk to my family and friends about it and you actually come up you come up against so much resistance with your family Actually, and it's, when it's something, especially with something so alien and everyone's so used to doing it in a certain way like you know i'm a nutritionist uh, i'm a health coach and some of the things i talk about like i'll give you an example the other day this happened the other day with family my uh, one of my uncles he's got a really he's got osteoporosis uh, mm-hmm. uh, really bad knees and i just said to him well the cure is go to the gym and do some resistance training and that will make uh, the muscle basically put pressure on the bone to get stronger and they all laughed at me they all laughed at me all of them and i was like oh, i've just paid three thousand pounds three thousand dollars for a course where professors are actually telling me this it seems like this is a similar situation no yeah it's it is it's exact similar situation and you know what i was actually quite surprised when you were saying earlier how your dad in the parents evening asked the geography teacher what is he going to do with this because typically um, our parents' generation, especially from our background, they hold the teacher up on like a pedestal. It's like the teacher is right, absolutely right. It's like the same way they do with the doctor, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And I don't know if it's, I think it's something from they immigrated over here. 
they held the West and the British in high esteem. So the institutions of the British and the West are in high esteem. And that's why we almost like capitulate, almost like bend to their way of thinking, their way of doing things. Yeah. Even when it's not absolutely right. Actually, it's very wrong. And could you tell us why you think it's absolutely wrong? If, uh, for the education perspective. Uh, yeah, I've got, yeah. yeah. I've I'm got, sure you can go a uh, lot of ways about it. So um, let's just stick to the education yeah. perspective. I'm sure we can do another podcast for everything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you look at the history of school, when you look at the history of school and how it came about, it was actually introduced by the Prussians. They tested the first compulsory education models. Do you say the Russians or the Prussians? Prussians. Okay, who's the, what's Prussians, the, who's uh, that? The Prussian, Prussia was like uh, in between Germany and Russia at the time. And they found that when they raised a generation of kids who went to school, they were a lot more obedient because when they're put in a room and they're told to, you know, there's this authority figure, you must always obey this authority figure at all times. And they were disciplined harshly. They weren't allowed to speak up. They used to get smacked, smacked in the bum of a book, innit? Oh, yeah, yeah. Corporate punishment was uh, was uh, was part and parcel of it. I remember old school um, like programs where they used to have a cane and they used to whip kids with a cane wasn't that a thing yeah i'm sure yeah, that was a thing like back in there everywhere to be fair yeah yeah absolutely uh, um i mean pain is a very hard-hitting oh, lesson harsh lesson <laughs> yeah I'm sure, and, I'm sure you and me know that as well back in my day <laughs> you know and when you get pain with a lesson you you memorize it so much more strongly so what they noticed was this cyclical peasants revolt that would come about when you know the common folk would be disgruntled with the you know the rich barons and the control that they were asserting over the common folk eventually the peasants would revolt and have a revolution and you know bring them down and stuff but and and it, and it would be cyclical it would just follow a cycle you know it, it'd be a case of uh taxes and everything get higher and higher and higher uh, the conditions for the poor get worse, worse, worse. And then eventually they have a re revolution and they overthrow everyone. And then the barons and whatnot are forced to give them better conditions. And then the cycle continues. They slowly increase taxes, increase, decrease conditions, living conditions. And they found that when they put a generation of kids through school, they didn't do this peasants revolt. And that's where it began. Then... How long ago was that? Do you remember? This was 1800s. Okay. So in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm thinking as well. It wasn't that long. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. This, this concept of school was pretty new to everyone. Then Rockefeller in America, they sat down and they talked about creating the 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 workforce essentially and everything just goes back to Rockefeller doesn't it these days huh? yeah I mean they were like pioneers they were they were visionaries mm. and ultimately school is about 
uplifting the companies and institutions that are in power, you know, wealth-wise. And it's interesting because, you know, we w- wake up for school, uh, get to school by 8.30, finish at 3, and probably 90% of the people who leave school, finish university, finish college, university, they're in a 9-to-5 job, which is more or less the same timings, and you're back in a box again. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It prepares them for life as an office worker. But the thing is, school is not like, I'd say the only institution which is like school would be blue-collar work. What's the definition of blue-collar work for those that don't know? Blue-collar work is like factory work. You know, we're sitting in going doing the same repetitive task over and over again. But I think they someone i did read that they'd done a study where they asked kids who went into blue collar work what do they prefer and they chose the blue collar work wow (laughs) why is that is that because it's easier to do or did they say why yeah because they had a bit more autonomy at, at blue collar work and you know they had a bit more control over what they did with their time they still got to have a laugh with their workmates and stuff. You know, that it wasn't like, be quiet. Um, and there was a few things like that. But other than that, the school is not representative of the real world. Not at all. It's more representative of prison. And how's that then? Well, in prison, prison is the only place where you're told what to do you're directed by a bell you're told when you can go eat there's a lot of similar things and like everybody's the same around you everyone's in the same position like on in the hierarchy and that's why it creates this sort of competitive environment because everyone feels like they're at the same level but naturally, humans, they, especially men, they, they, they want to assert dominance. Uh, women as well, you know, they, they want to assert dominance. They do it in different ways. And that's why in environments like school and environments like prison, uh, there's bullies that manifest. Whereas if in school they had, like, mixed-age classrooms, you might have... A, a bully that might manifest but then like an older kid who's more responsible would wow. you know would yeah. shut him down basically and that's the thing the other thing with having mixed age classrooms is when you have older kids and they are somewhat feel like they're in a position of responsibility over the, the younger kids they will assert themselves more sensibly what is the reason why they put same age group together then actually that's uh do you know why why do you do that in schools yeah it's it lends itself to the whole scoring system okay so and you're you're this age group can do maths at this ability when they it's go to do their the statistics basically it's more easier to do the statistics that way but it sounds like it's bit... purely for statistics and that's the way the people who designed these institutions Look at us, our statistics. Okay, we'll hire him because 
he did the best in this age group and got the best exam results. Yeah. And that's not the way we should be looking at our children. Yeah. Yeah. Do, um, do you have do you, do you have children? I have uh, two girls who are three and five and um and I'm going to talk to you about emotional re regulation because you mentioned that in one of your posts and I thought that was really good because it's come up literally last week. Um, okay. It's come up where the teachers don't understand that my daughter is really emotionally intelligent because we brought her up that way. Yeah. She understands what you mean. She understands what you say and she can read your emotions from your face. And uh, that day she came back home crying. I'll, 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 I'll speak to you about that in a moment. I just want to ask, is it, do you know the statistics of how many kids are homeschooled now these days? Because I saw something a couple of weeks ago, and that's probably what le uh, lent me to uh, come uh, and contact you because it just popped up on my Instagram feed. Um, yeah. It came up where it's like, I think compared to like, I don't know, 20, 50 years ago, like more and more people are homeschooling their kids. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the numbers that have jumped in only the last few years. So I'll send you an infograph. I've got one. That'd be really good. But I think it was three, four years ago, it was maybe like 1.5 million in the UK. And then now it's 5 million wow. in the UK. So it's like really jumping like exponentially. And it seems to be heading this direction. And I remember when we went to the home education community in our local city, there was a lot of people with kids our age, young children there. And it showed that there it, it was seeing a surge yeah. of uh, uptake. Amazing. So what was like understanding the law in homeschooling? How does that work then? It's really simple, actually. People don't know this, but the, the default position in the UK is homeschooling. So oh, is you, it? Okay. Yeah, so if you don't apply to school, the, the, the state naturally assumes you're homeschooling them ah interesting but what are kind of things that has anything come up have some like obviously you mostly had like social works knock on your door just to check on your kids and stuff like that no 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 ah. nothing like that so how do they yeah. like do checks and stuff like that because you know i've heard stories online where but uh, knock on your door saying oh where are you and stuff like that or that does yeah, that happen yeah. that, that does happen for people that have taken their kids out of school okay oh oh as in like if then when they should be in school when they're not there yeah so they've applied for school they've put their kids into school then they've removed their kids from school and that gives these councils more authority over you mm. so think about that mm -hmm. so when you apply for school with your child you are giving the council authority over your child so when you remove your child from school, they assume, they feel like they still have that authority over your child so they can come and check on you. Wow. So how do you stop them from having the authority once you've left, let's say? I mean, you need to you, you need to obviously comply with them yeah, yeah, yeah. to some degree, but you also need to like assert your authority Aren't over you? them let yeah. them know that you know you're doing a good job and you don't need them okay and whatever they're doing is harassment what is it that schools are missing from teaching children these days then would you say from what you've learned from homeschooling your kids 
Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is creativity and critical thinking is, is the biggest thing. The critical thinking is not that big a deal until, you know, maybe they're like eight, nine, 10, 11, mm -hmm. because they don't really start using that part of their mind until about age seven. Because the first so, couple of years is this play, isn't it? Learning through play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, learning through play. So the biggest thing, the biggest thing is imagination, is is using that muscle in the brain. Because it is a, it is like a muscle. The more you use it, um, I don't know if you tell your kids like bedtime stories at night. Yeah, so literally yesterday, um, we spent like the last half an hour, probably was an hour, where first we were all, all in the circle. We were singing um, nursery rhymes. And then when the kid, my two girls didn't have any nursery rhymes in their head, we start improvising and start making it up. And it was a, yeah. it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Like, what, like I was like, wow, like both my girls are really like imaginative. Like they've made up yeah. a song and a story out of nothing. Yeah. And the kids are all naturally imaginative. And we like, we, we kill it. We kill it by putting them through school because they get put into an environment where they're told that it's, useless essentially because mm -hmm. you, you you know that the most important thing you can um, learn at school is learning how to memorize really boring stuff yeah so at nighttime i will uh i'll tell my kids uh bedtime stories at, and it used to start i started out just by by reading bedtime stories to them mm -hmm. uh, but what what's actually more enjoyable for them and it's um it's a challenge for you and it's enjoyable for a parent as well is like to come up with stories on the spot. Yeah. And that's you using your imagination muscle. To be honest, sometimes, sometimes I get bored of just reading the books that they've got and I just do that. It's just, it's just, you know what? I'll just, yeah, it's just easier doing that sometimes. And then yeah. it makes me think on the spot. And then I think so, some, sometimes I do ask my daughters and to be fair, they're quite young. So maybe I'll do that another time. Ask them to like, can you tell me a story? Just make it up on the spot. Just to see what they yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's an amazing like uh, mental task to get your children to do. I do that in the car with them. I say, okay, who's got the who's got the best story? Uh, you know, to be fair, I'm glad you said that because they're getting bored of playing I Spy in the car. <laughs> so it, it starts out with, yeah, once upon a time, the end. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go, okay, who can do better than that? <laughs> Got and then someone goes once upon a time there's a tree the end I, rem I, rem I remember there's a game that we played in primary school actually where it's like you're in a circle of uh kids children and each person has to say a word in the whole story until it finishes so it's kind of similar to that isn't it yeah 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 building on it and it's funny you watch them they plagiarize each other's stories and stuff <laughs> and but the stories get better and better and it forces them to you know think and use their imagination and stuff like that Mm, so cool. imagination imagination and creativity sort of go hand in hand and that really gives them the ability to have that out of box thinking yeah. and look at a, look at a problem from a different way whereas school really just gives them the tools to 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 do something one way and it's like the tested way and it's the way their teachers have been trained to do it and you know we don't i don't think you're really going to have a big impact on the world if you're forcing them into a box and forcing them in a well-walked path through life.
Yeah, I mean, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I'm sure you've seen the news of what's going on around the world. And um, one subject that I hated and I thought was a waste of time at school was history. One, I just thought it was a waste of time because I was in my head, I was like, one, I'm just revising stories that I, I, I didn't think back then or whether it was true or not. I just thought, you know, yeah, history is good to know, but I didn't think it was good to study if, um, if my focus is math, science and English. So yeah. my question is to you, the core subjects, math, science and English. So how do you go about teaching those subjects then? Okay, so I'm glad you said that because you only get tested for math, science and English until, is it year six? And then you go into year seven, right? Mm. Uh, that's what it's like for me when I was uh, when I went to school in, in junior school. I went to school in London actually. How old are you? I'm thirty five. Okay, cool. So when I left year, when we we're leaving year six, we had to do our exams, and it was only math, science, and English. So if it's, I'm only getting tested on math, science, and English, why does everything else matter? Uh -uh. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm with you on on the whole history thing, and it was it was the scope of it. I was like, okay, so history is so vast. Why are we just doing this this small section here? And like, how is that relevant to my life? And a lot of school is like that. It's like, how is what you teaching me relevant? Yeah, when I was at school, at secondary school, we had our core subjects uh, for CSEs, and then we had to pick options, and the options was like. Like some of the options that people picked was just for the sake of picking it. So like everyone was fighting for textiles. I mean, if 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 you're gonna do that at some point in your life and focus on it, then great. But like people were just like fighting for like options that they would they just wanted to fill in that gap. I just thought if you're in secondary school back then, I thought if I was in secondary school, like should I just focus on my core subjects because those are the ones that are most likely gonna help me throughout life. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So the way we approach math, science, and English uh, as a home educating family, English we we do reading every day. So, and reading is not, you know, is is your child going to be in a position where you're not going to be with them? Like when is that going to be? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there might be, you know emergency instances like if you've lost them or something like that yeah, and it's important yeah. for them to to know how to read uh but we i think the problem with school is they force reading on them where some children are not ready to learn how to read yeah uh their strengths lie somewhere else and learning should be about efficiency so if you're forcing something on a child when they're not ready to learn it it's going to take them a lot longer to learn so could they have been doing something else in that time whereas they might get to like seven eight years old and they might learn it they will learn it really quickly and they'll feel they'll, they'll feel like they didn't waste their time and it was enjoyable and they wanted to learn it because what you really need is you need a willing mind when it comes to home education Definitely, definitely. Um, I wanted to ask, by the way, isn't it? Wouldn't it be difficult if you got two parents that work? I mean, I can imagine this could potentially only work if one person doesn't work and one person yeah. does, obviously. And then, obviously, you're an entrepreneur as well, so that's even better because you're your own boss. So, 
yeah. I've noted down here, it's most likely going to work the best way possible if someone is their own boss and the other person doesn't have to work. Yeah. You need one parent to, uh, to be present with the kids, of course. And that's only in the beginning because once you get them to like 10, 11, 12, then the other parent can work because they only need supervision. You know, one parent could be working from home, the other could be working out, uh, and the kids can be doing their learning and stuff inside the house. What, what do you mean? Like, leave them to it kind of thing? I'm just trying to understand what you yes. mean. Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely leave them to it, because my home education philosophy is about teaching autonomy and self-reliance. So okay. once we give them the ability to read, write, maths, basic arithmetic, now they have the tools to self-teach. But what about, because you said, you, so the home would be obviously the place of their schooling, but what I find is like the home should be somewhere a place where you relax and stuff. So isn't it a place, or are you saying that you, 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 you're bringing up your kids in this homeschooling way where it's like they're always learning about whatever, wherever they are, and whatever they're doing is is that how you can differentiate from going away from the house being just a place of chilling and relaxing as well well do you know that's quite important what you said there and you're absolutely right your home is its own unique space yeah and when you're in it so if you view your home as a place that you chill and relax then you say to your child do 100 push-ups <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to be up for it they're not going to be up for it and then if you say to them okay go clean your room they're not going to be up for that either because it's like no no we i'm here to relax and chill and stuff and, and that's the way we view our house but our kids are in the home a lot more so we need instill in them a different tolerance for effort yeah i think but, um, i think so i think you're saying is like change the mindset the way they think about the how they see the home Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think in this, the school culture is like, yeah, what the school, school, the classroom is to work. It has to be a desk and desk and chair and a whiteboard. That's, that should be a picture in your mind to say like, this is time to work. And if it's like, if you see a, so so I can imagine when your kids see a sofa, they would start doing activities on there, like drawing or doing whatever, um, being creative. But if it if it was someone else who just sees the sofa as a place just to lie down and go to sleep or and relax and they'll do it yeah watch tv basically yeah that's a, yeah. that's how a lot of people see their couch mm, wow that's really interesting that's really interesting all right so what are the pros and cons of um, homeschooling yeah i mean it's not just the emotional connection it's the connection of being their teacher as well which how life should be your your parents should be your original teacher really if you think about it yeah yeah i mean you have a different respect for someone who teaches you to get better at something and who better to do it than your parents exactly because they know you best so like in order for learning to be effective i'm just going to do a video on this um i broke the script for it and stuff but in, in order for learning to be effective we need to have a stronger memory with it. And when you're at school, you're in a you know, metal and glass building, you're sitting on a plastic chair with a plastic pen, 
doing boring stuff that's not relevant to your life. Whereas when you have a strong memory with something, there's often more senses you can attach to it. There's like a smell, there's a touch, there's a taste. Another way is it's relatable to your life somehow, something that you've done before. And the last one is there's an emotional connection because you remember the way it made you feel when you learned this thing. And if you can tie those three things to a memory, it can be a lot, a lot, lot stronger. So if you're a parent, you know your child best. So you know what you can relate something to when you're teaching them something new. Oh, it's just like, you know, when you did that thing. And they go, oh, okay, right. And when you're doing things out in the field, when they're touching things, when they're smelling things, again, that gives them a stronger memory connection to it. And the relatability thing is also tied to the emotional thing. because they're like, okay, well, when I did that, it made me feel like this. So I was like, mm, okay. So I can tie more things to it. And again, it makes the learning more efficient. And what better person to do that than the person who knows them best. That is so interesting because... Uh my eldest daughter reminds me of me like the way she is just reminds me of myself going to school i ask her and I, i've stopped asking her as much now i said oh so what did you do into school today she has no idea do you know what and how my... often how often does that happen i wonder do you know what my son did this he went to nursery and then the nursery was like two doors from our house so it was like fair enough and he used to come home and we'd ask him what do you do today he went nothing and we just used to think it was him and then his sister went to school at nursery and she came home we go what do you do today oh nothing so, okay <laughs> so how, how what did you how what did you do when you heard that like what did you think what did you feel because um for me you know, for me like my daughter is counting down the days to the weekend like she just wants the school week to be over and she's still like that now and that's what my worry is yeah yeah and you know you're self-employed so you know how detrimental that is uh, well I'm, I'm not self-employed i'm I, I have a day job and i'm self-employed as well i do everything <laughs> okay well you have a vocation that you're doing because you're passionate about it yeah 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 you know and the, do you want your children to live that way where they're counting down the days where they're clock watching calendar yeah. watching no, 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 not at all. And it's not, not all. the way. It's not the way anyone should live their life. Mm. And that's why you're doing the things you're doing because you 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 want to trying to get out the matrix, huh? Transition out of the matrix, for lack of a better word, yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying. It's it's mentally taxing. Not gonna lie, it's mentally taxing. Um, and even when I was looking into homeschooling, it's you know. Uh, didn't look into it how you did <laughs> excuse me mm -hmm. i didn't look into it how uh, you you did but i thought like and, and I, I did ask around i asked my some friends and family do you know anyone that homeschools and then my my brother-in-law was like yeah 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 my mate does it from work and purely who homeschooled gave, gave me the guy's contact number but i just thought my natural thought was it's just gonna be like 
how how women to do how men to teach kids in school we're doing it at home but again yeah. like it's like you've gone through this conversation it's not like that and i think oh, that's yeah. key it's not like that it's more learning about life skills like you know the most common um meme that i see over the past year is like you go to school come out and they don't teach you about how to pay taxes and uh council tax and all the rest of it they don't teach you anything like that like when which is strange when you think about it they didn't teach you how to vote <laughs> yeah, yeah how to decide like critical thinking right yeah they don't teach, they give, don't give you any tools and how to actually make the world a better place yeah exactly it's just, and it's just to be a cog in the world yeah a cog in the system and one massive system i, I guess one of the other pros are um holidays you can go on holiday whenever you want yeah yeah that that's that's great actually because uh Recently, my son, he, he turned eight and I'd taken him go-karting. I was like, right, we'll, we'll go nice. during the week. He'll be dead. And I, and I totally forgot it was October week. <laughs> <laughs> so he was the smallest guy out on there. And I like, felt so bad for him uh, because I was hoping that we'd get the track to ourselves. And that, that is one of the, the, the big benefits of, of homeschooling yeah. is like you're not paying those premiums on the holidays anymore. You can just pick up, go wherever you want. And that's the uh, part of the reason why I'm doing this business is because I want to have uh, products that are purely digital based so I can have that geographic freedom as well. Uh, and what's that business all about? Is this basically what you're doing, teaching how to pe- homeschool? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I've got a course as well that I sell. Okay. And my course is about screen time mm-hmm. and how to, how to, I think a lot of parents, a lot of good parents, they'll do this already where they'll use screen time like a carrot. Yeah. Okay, if you want to get on the t- TV, then go do X, Y, Z. So I took that concept and built it into an entire system where there's a pre-screen time routine, there's a post-screen time routine. The pre-screen time routine like builds them up progressively. It's more, it's like a, it's like a fitness course for kids and i'll 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 send you some of the the pictures so you can show them for some of the results that we've been getting like my my eight-year-old he's got an eight pack right now (laughs) he's got an eight pack clearly defined and uh my my daughter she can do she recently done a hundred burpees in four minutes 23 seconds which is like elite athlete level numbers yeah, and she only started. We only started doing these burpees like eight, nine months ago, and it just started out really simple. Like, okay, so you want to get on the TV? Give me twenty burpees, <laughs> and then it we just built it up and up and up, and I've developed different methods and how to increase their fitness performance. Interesting, you mentioned about the exercise thing because um, there was a video a couple of months ago, or maybe it was earlier this year. Sometimes I lose track of time. They're saying, "Oh, PE today." How PE was back in the day, where they were doing like monkey bars and you know proper like physical activity. And these days, it's like you know kicking a ball here and there for like an hour. I'm not saying that's bad, but it was more physical. Yeah. It was very m- more uh, taxing, and I guess it made people more, I guess, tougher for the real yeah. world. Yeah, and that, that, that's that's another thing that they do in state school is it's commonly these sports like football, like soccer, that get pushed most, whereas in private school, they'll do rugby, they'll do hockey, 
and there's more pain involved in these sports. So yeah. the leaders of our country, they're getting taught lessons in pain. So yeah. it increases their threshold for it when they go out into the world and try and achieve the things that they're trying to achieve. Whereas in state school, they're playing soccer or football and you look at them on TV and they're raising them to be fairies. <laughs> and I'm glad we actually start talking about this because um, you're talking about being raised to be like fairies. Like as you can see, people are getting softer and softer. They're getting, um, you know, offended by anything and everything. Yeah. So the benefit of being on and being homeschooled is that you can choose how your kids want to be taught and how how much pressure you can put on your child, I guess. Because one thing I, I for me personally, it does frustrate me a little. I get it. You can't put too much pressure on your kids, but a little bit pressure, you know, you're gonna make diamonds, aren't you? Oh yeah, to totally. There, there is that fine balance of pressure, which enables them to grow more. If you do too much, you'll scare them, you'll hurt them, you might put them off, but if you give them enough, then that's going to force them to grow. And it's that, it's, it's not pressure, it's not just pressure, it's stress as well. It's, stress is a good stress. thing, stress is yeah. a good thing, obviously, and there's different types of stress, I think I put a post about it actually. Um, but yeah, I think like, for example, if you're like bodybuilding in a gym, how does your muscle get bigger? You have to stress the muscle. And it just and it just works for the mind as well. You have to put a bit of stress. Like I, I've I've learned myself. Like when I've been in like difficult situations, I've learned the most from it, and I've actually yeah. produced the best work from it as well. Stress and um, putting pressure is very important. One one of my mentors, he trains like world class athletes, and now his children. One of them plays for Fulham Football Club now, and he's a teenager. And yeah. he and his in his last podcast, he did for someone. He spoke about how. Um, when his child's done something well, he doesn't tell him straight away that he's done well. He tells him, look, you can do better. Even though in his head, he knows well. And he, the reason why he says that is because he knows if you tell a child that they've done well, they'll be like, all right, that's it. I don't need to improve anymore. But there's always room for improvement, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, no, true. Uh, do you know what? That's something recently I've been going through and hearing it now is, um, you know, is in, insight, really insightful because... Uh, my son has accomplished some in incredible things in, in his physical aspects in the last eight, nine months. And uh, like, I'll send you the video, actually. He he did yeah, yeah. A, a hundred military burpee push-ups. So a hundred, hundred military burpees. That's like a burpee push-up, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He did a hundred non-stop. Wow. How old is he? He's eight. Wow. Well, the thing is, I think <laughs> there's going to be uh, half the population be like, you're doing that to your child. And the, <laughs> and the other half will be like, well, it's just it's part of life. It's about finding where the line is, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, you know, he did it uh, maybe like a month or so ago. He did it again recently. And <laughs> I feel like now I've created a ceiling for him. Whereas with with uh, anyone, you know, it's all about pushing that ceiling further and further away. And I yeah. like this uh, this idea of uh, not break, showing... breaking the ceiling. It's breaking, breaking the ceiling. Yeah, the next layer of the onion. So, yeah, I'm becoming more accustomed to this idea of pushing that ceiling more and and saying yeah. to them, yeah, yeah, it was good, but you know, 
you need to do better. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, sex education in schools, you did a really good video about that. Um, I think you called it SNM. What do you mean that stand for? I don't even know what does that stand for? Sadism and masochism. Say that again? S sadism. Sadism. And, and masochism. Okay, what's that? Because you said, uh, <laughs> the video is quite funny. You're like, <laughs> you, you basically said that, oh, this is not taught in school. So hold on a second. Is <laughs> yeah. Why would I take my kids to a school that teaches that? Yeah, and that's because um, I think uh, Rishi Sunak actually ordered an inquiry into this, but it was crazy how they got away with it in the first place. If you looked at the changes to the sex education program uh, in schools, they were teaching things like um, uh, how to choke your partner. What? No. Yes. And no, come on, you got you got to send me the link for that. I don't know about that one, man. Uh, you, you can look it up, you can look it up. I'll, I'll send you a link as well. They're also teaching because you have to remember that this choking concept is is emerging now. It's becoming more common in you know young people having sex. Yeah. So now the schools feel like they're the ones that need to teach the responsibility part of it. It's crazy, by the way, because I know so I know quite a few people that work in schools, and the sex education people come into the school and. Um, they're giving out condoms to everyone, saying, oh, safe sex, safe sex, safe sex. And one of the girls stood up and said, well, shouldn't you tell everyone to stop having sex rather than giving us protection to actually do it? The, the, and then basically the, the colleague that I know, <laughs> the, colleague, the colleague that I know, she, in her head, she was just like, because yeah. that's that's one way of stopping it. Yeah, yeah. Crazy man, crazy, crazy yeah. uh, thought process, and you yeah, know, it's, it's, in general, in general, school is like becoming a more and more confusing environment. So it's it's not just this sex thing; it's now it's other things, and yeah, you, mate, you, you leave you leave school and you don't know what to do. Like the first question yeah. you ask, like, oh, so what do you want to do now? You left school. I'm like, I don't know. I've been I've been taught so many different subjects. Like it's like the it just seems like. It, where we come out it's like how we're meant to decide how we're still meant to decide it's it's mad it's mad um, are you okay talking about the transgender thing yeah we can talk whatever you want whatever you want yeah so th there's a book uh there's a book i read read on it and because uh, you know it, i was fascinated by 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 this uh this concept of why people are doing it why is it becoming such a trend now so i, I looked into it and there was a one book that I read, it's called Ir Irreversible Damage. Okay. And in the book, they referenced these statistics at this clinic called the Tavistock uh, Clinic in London, which is the biggest uh, sex change clinic in the UK. And wow. th they had it, their statistics there for the demographic of people that applied to get a sex change. And if you look at the numbers, Again, I'll send you this info infograph. Yeah, please do, yeah. If you look at the numbers, uh, I think they started at maybe like 11, 12-year-olds, and it got the numbers got higher and higher, and they peaked at 17. And then the amount of 18-year-olds that are applying to have their sex change compared to 17-year-olds was like this. There was like a huge drop-off. Oh, my God. And honestly, that's no money for the clinic, is it? 
yeah, well, it's less money for the clinic, yeah, of course. Um, but it tells you a lot about how a child is progressing through life. And then when they get to a point where 18, 18 is like a significant marker in, in anyone's life because it gives them more legal rights, doesn't it? Yeah. And, you know, it's the same time when they leave school. And for me, I tied it back to, because I was thinking about education, I tied it back to how education is now propagating this, is um, uh, causing this to happen because we're giving children a very confusing environment to grow up in. And as they're getting into their teenage years, when they want to assert more authority, over themselves and what they do they're stuck in this prison environment where no you need to be told what to do mm. and it's a form of rebellion against the system because it's a way of you know back in the day they, they did it with by getting tattoos how is it <laughs> yeah Whereas if you give a child a home education and you teach them autonomy and self-reliance then they won't have this rebellion phase in their teenage years that we're so used to yeah, that's the way we look at teenagers they're just throwing different messages left right and center aren't they yeah yeah i mean that, that's how every parent looks at uh you'll hear this all the time oh wait till they're teenagers and why do teenagers behave badly we didn't we didn't evolve for thousands of years for your teenager to come pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the most common thing I hear is like, oh, uh, wait until they're 18, they can decide what they want to do. But I, I, and I always say this, like, how can you wait until a number without actually understanding what that child or person is, actually is like mentally? Yeah. I've yeah. seen it so many times where like, oh, wait until they're 21. They're 21. And they're still the same person. They're still like... Uh, yeah. immature haven't um understood what life is like don't know how to work hard L little things like that way this adds up and then you're just waiting for a specific number because the government have put that number out there the, i'm not saying the government has said oh wait till 21 and they can decide what they want but um i think in the i think in america is 21 in england's 18 where they seem kind of like an adult it's just that number that's been put out there and like yeah you know in the mind you see that number so many times oh you know this per parent said this about uh, about their child as yeah. well once they're 18 they can sort out oh and it's like life doesn't work like that does it no it, it doesn't work like that at all i mean you do things when you're ready to do them you shouldn't have some magic number there that gives you now you have the right to do what <laughs> what else you want to do now you know there's 14 year olds out there that are more responsible than 21 yeah. year olds i've met yeah. i've met seven-year-olds in the street in morocco that have got more sales uh, persuasive skills than uh, guys in their 20s over here just because you know they're out in the world they're exposed to it and they learn better when they're out in the world and they're exposed to it Definitely. and yeah sorry i just wanted to type that thing i was talking about with yeah. the with the, the trans thing is it's because uh, as a child ages as they approach 18 the level of frustration grows every year because they want to be an adult they're looking at this magic number in the sky when once i have that number i'll have authority over what i get to do mm -hmm. and and at the same time in parallel they're going through the hardest exam like the most uh defining life-defining exams of their life 
Yeah. So they're already in a very stressful environment. They're already in a confused environment. They want to assert themselves. They're not unable to. And they're looking at this, this magic number of when they'll be set free. And it creates this huge amount of frustration. And when they get to 17, that's why you see these massive, these massive numbers of uh, people applying for sex changes. Mad, mad. I want to take a, a couple of steps back, actually, because this popped into my mind. So let's say you're homeschooling your child and they want to go into medical school. And um, I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, like, you know, you need to be really good at maths and science, for example. So how would you tackle that then? Like, would you get a tutor in because it's some more high level stuff? I'm just speaking from a, a from a standpoint of a, a parent who's homeschooled but doesn't have the skills to teach them high level stuff to get them into university if they wanted, if their child wants to do that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, so what I encourage people to do is if you want to go to university, make sure it's for medicine, law, engineering. Yeah, that's what I Those said to my kids the, as well. I said to my kids yeah. now, it's like, there's no point in going because any other degree is just a waste of time. Exactly, exactly. So if they are going to do med- medicine, for example, I'm not sure what, it, the, the, what it's like now, but Back when I was younger, it was three, three A-levels you needed to get into um, a university, most university degrees. Mm-hmm. So if you just focus on those three subjects from young, you will be able to get into university before than you would if you went to high school. But how, how would someone get their child to learn these high-level subjects? Okay, so... So, for example, you may only know it to a certain level, then you would need to bring a tutor in. And a tutor could be just once a week to explain the concepts. Mm-hmm. And then the kid does the, the work uh, by themselves. I guess if you were just focus on the core subjects in your homeschooling, that would be cheaper, I guess. Or might, might, you, can, you can tail it to how you want it because it's going to be revolving about your day life, isn't it? Yeah, so the, have you heard of Qmon? No. So Qmon is like this after-school um, extra maths and English class system. And they typically charge £65 per month per child per subject. Wow. And it gives you daily worksheets to do. And there's one class which is... A week which you need to go in and and the teacher explains the the work to you so we were doing this for a little bit but i found it the my kids were like young at this point and it was yeah. maybe not as it was uh maybe too expensive for what they were doing and yeah. it was i think at this early stage uh, that kids you you just want to develop them again where their where their strengths are because you want to build that confidence through teaching competency yeah but i think if you're looking at going to do an exam you can uh first of all you can just pay the exam institute to sit the exam and then in preparation for the exam you would you could do something like cumon or get the textbooks and just follow them like any would anyone would if they went to school 
amazing. That's cool, man. Cause, That's cool. Cause there's nothing really exceptional about school. They just give you a textbook. Yeah. They give you a teacher. The teacher explains the concept to you. You repeat it until it hopefully <laughs> sticks to memory. It's... Yeah, and they're, t- they're teaching the 29 other kids as well in the same same class. And like, how are they meant to give them all their attention? Like, um, and, uh, and it's like, and that's why pe- uh, parents get private tuitioning because their child is not learning. I well, it's either they're not learning because that was my case. I wasn't learning, so they gave me private tuition, and I learned more in my private tuition than I did in class. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you did a really good video about when a child says "I'm bored." So when your child says "I am bored," how do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, boredom is boredom's a transient state. You know, boredom. So that, what's the defi- what's the definition of that transient state? Tran- transient is like no one stays bored forever. Like, tell me your child says I'm bored, and then one hour later they say I'm still bored, because they'll figure out something to do in that time, or you know they might do something and then stop doing that thing and then say I'm bored, but they done something in that time, so it's actually okay when your child says I'm bored. Uh, it's good. When they, when they say I'm bored, because I always say to them, all right, now you think of something good to do. Yeah, like when my daughter said that um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking in my head, like when I was her age, well, not her age, but a bit, uh, bit old now, maybe like nine, eight or nine, I was like, you're bored. Like, look how many toys you've got. Come, let's make a story. So I've literally gone to the front room, got all her toys out, put them in a row, and I just started a story out of nothing. And then I kind of like stopped the story. I said, like, now you carry on the story. And now what she's done is she's, you know, she's just like, oh, this is a new world out here with all these toys <laughs> lined up. Like, I, did, I didn't know um, Minnie Mouse was into this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and I think maybe sometimes um, as a parent, we have to kind of like give them that idea as well. Yeah, no. Um, if they're stuck, because I, I know my my daughter. Maybe it's because of the schooling. I don't know. Um, she's maybe she's a bit. Uh, she was a bit stuck. Like she didn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do. You can do like suggestions like this. Or when you go draw something, or when you go play with your toys, and like yeah, mate. Like I had toys. all the wrestling toys. Yeah, I was Stone Cold yeah. stunning all of them with, with my little <laughs> toy. All of them. <laughs> but um. <laughs> what I do is I want my child to have that initial spark of inspiration because that builds more trust in their ability to self-entertain so so my worry is then like how do you get that you just wait until they actually spark it themselves because like yes yes exactly exactly no no matter how long it takes no matter how long it takes that's a good point actually because that's a process that's a process they get better at doing that better better at getting that spark it is because, it is, no. um, you know, you talk about that sparking for adults, even for me as well. Like I've just uploaded episode 13 today and I'm getting some like really good guests on. And uh, the bonus that I'm speaking to you is that this is a subject that I think is so important, so interesting as well. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, what? that's what you, you want your daughter to have that ability, you know, of being able to come up with things. So it's OK just to like leave her to her and say, no, you come up with something to do. Otherwise, she'll become dependent on you. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, say, that's a good uh, point. Yeah, and that's... you want to teach dependency. Definitely, definitely. In- independency as well. <laughs> independency as well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I started this maybe like four or five months ago. Ah, okay. And, and it was slow in the beginning, but like the last few weeks, it's just like starting to snowball Amazing. a little bit. And Amazing. a lot. I'm getting so much uh, good encouragement and stuff about it. It seems like a 
a very important subject to be speaking on. And I don't think there's a lot of people in my uh, in in this sector, in the homeschooling sector, talking about it the way I'm doing with the yeah, you know the, the monologue. I'm definitely in the space of wellness for kids. Like yeah, kids that's how I see it. Yeah, fitness fitness for kids as well. Well, I mean that's a part of what my course is about. It's like you know I was talking about having that tolerance of e- tolerance of effort in your home. Yeah. So like, uh, for example, if you want your daughter to get good at tidying her room, then you build her tolerance effort in her house. Oh, mate, she's so, oh my God, talking about tidying her room. Like, it doesn't matter what time, bless her, bless her. It doesn't matter what time she wakes up. It could be she wakes up in the middle of the night just to sleep next to me in my bed. She will do her bed no matter what. (laughs) And uh, amazing. It is. It is amazing. My youngest, she's a bit of a rebel. She's a rebel. She's. Like, I took a snap of a couple of weeks ago where I showed a picture of my eldest daughter's bed and a picture of my youngest daughter, like you know, polar opposites. To be fair, my youngest has been treated like the baby of the family, and that's something which yeah. we're working on. Like um, she, she's literally, you know, does whatever she wants. Whereas my eldest, um, she's like, she knows the importance of doing your bed uh, manners and all the rest of it. So um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. These are like exercises, aren't they, essentially? And they just become yeah. ingrained in the memory because uh, yeah. when I was young, my parents did everything for me and I didn't learn anything. Yeah, the, and that's amazing that you're doing that. It's amazing that you're doing that. It's because... tough. It's not easy, but, yeah. um, you know, um, I'd say it's more my wife that's helped <laughs> as yeah. well. But, like, I'm kind of, like, carrying on. Like, oh, shit, this is actually good. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, you want, them at the, you want them used to doing chores in the house. Yeah. And, that, and then they'll do them with the uh, second nature isn't it second nature actually yeah because a lot of parents they don't give their kids this ability and then when they ask them to tidy them the kids are always like oh, oh why don't you do that and yeah. I, i'm actually separated from my partner so I, okay. I co-parent with my kids and my kids will like uh when they come to my house i'll be like okay you need to do your you want to watch tv okay you need to do your 100 burpees you need to do 100 push-ups and then you need to go tidy your room. It needs to be earned, not given. Yeah, exactly. And the tidying their room part seems easy. It seems like the easy bit. So they don't even moan. They just go do it quickly. Whereas, like, I know when they're at their mom's, when she tells them to go tidy their room, they're, like, sitting there going, oh. for For a child that is not used to tidying their room, I think after this conversation and think about the process of my daughter, my eldest daughter, that's probably the best way to start. Start tidying your room, um, mm-hmm. how to start your day in the right way. Like now, Alhamdulillah, now yeah. she tidies her room, brushes her teeth, gets changed and puts her pajamas away. That's her routine first thing in the morning. No matter what, not even it's a weekend, doesn't matter. <laughs> that, is, that is ideally what you want. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, I really commend you for doing that. Well, I appreciate that. It's, again, it's teaching them independency. Yeah, and definitely, that, and the ability to look after themselves, the ability to feed themselves, the ability to look after their own entertainment. And the, these, these are the best lessons we could teach our children. It's amazing, man. It's prepare amazing. them for prepare them for adulthood. Definitely, definitely. I want to quickly go over emotional intel uh, regulation. Sorry, emotional regulation because um. As I mentioned the story earlier, my daughter, she came home crying. Teacher has no idea what it was about. Um, I can't remember where it was now. It was basically, um, oh, so my, my daughter has eczema on her face. And the, and the teacher said, 
what's that on your face in front of all the kids? Yeah. And all the kids were watching. Mm. And like, it's either the teacher was not aware that her kids were around and yeah. she could have done it better, done it privately. Yeah. Or she just does not have any emotional regulation herself. Yeah. And, and we've yeah. questioned the teacher and, you know, they're already in defense mode just like that. Yes, straight away naturally naturally because they're like oh shit my job oh i'm gonna get in trouble i don't want to be told off and like and you know me and me and my wife i feel like we are quite good and when we're talking to just like look we're not in trouble you're not in trouble we're not gonna we're not you know we're not um criticizing you we're just something like you know just be a bit mindful um you know where it said how it said because my our daughter is quite emotionally intelligent she yeah, yeah. She, she knows she knows what she feels and she she she's gonna feel a certain way if someone's gonna be saying something about her face like any, any yeah. kid would of course of course and um, my daughter's the same as well she's just and then the girls are naturally that that way and um Joe, that's the problem we just don't pit, we don't pay our teachers enough to be psychology experts we you know but you don't have to be an expert, though, don't no, do you? No, I, yeah, ex exactly. We, we they, don't, they don't even need to be an expert, but it'd be nice if they read a book. It'd be nice if there was some training about it. Exactly. If they they're training, if they were trained about it, if they yeah. read a book about it, but we don't pay them enough for them to undergo this training. Mm. And it's so important that they should. But it's interesting, though, because, like, mental health is a big thing. And, like, if we're talking about mental health and emotional regulation, surely that's together. I mean, I'm a mental health first aider as well. And naturally, straight away, that's, you know, I'm grabbing onto that. I'd be like, hold on a sec. Unless, you know, another thing would be, like, they actually haven't been trained on mental health. Well, that's the thing. When people are stressed and uh, when people are confused, um, they're easier to control. And are we really doing anything about this mental health crisis in schools? And we can't even give our teachers the, the training to manage yeah. situations like these where they need to have a, they have a duty of care over our children's emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, something, something can happen in the classroom and it can torment you for the rest of your life. And that's why I say the best person to teach your child is you and if you're conscious enough a parent to be watching this right now and listen to this then I, might, I would suggest remove your child from school and teach them at home yourself I don't know if you watch MMA and UFC there's a guy called oh Kobe. yeah I love it. Uh, there's a guy called Khabib. I don't know his last name, uh, but um, Nogomero, yeah. Yeah. So uh, there was a video popped up, you know, with these algorithms and everything. He said he doesn't understand. He, he more or less said he doesn't understand the concept of school. You put put your child into a school with a stranger that you don't know, you've never met, and they're spending most of their time throughout the whole year with them. And if you compare the the hours and times, they spend more time at school with a stranger than they do with their parents at home. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just like one stranger, it's a carousel of strangers. So it'd be fine if they were going to spend it with one teacher and they were building a connection with that teacher over years. But no, the, our kids go to school, they get one 
teacher in secondary school, they get one teacher. Sorry, primary school, they get one teacher for one year. And in secondary school, they get one teacher per class. And it's just like they never have the ability to build that connection, that teacher-student connection that that um, would enable them to grow faster in their learning. Mm-hmm. Because remember, we talked about how if you can make things relatable, then they learn more efficiently. Whereas a teacher will never know their student. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. They'll not they'll not even know enough to know that there's problems at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mean for the teacher or for the child? Yeah, Could like be- obviously there's so many kids out there that are like school is actually an escape. It is. It is. Yeah. Like, yeah. They prefer being at school than being at home. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And the teachers should be in a position where they can see this, but they're not because they aren't able to build that connection. And not paid enough, not tra- not trained to do it. And ultimately, it's not what we said at the beginning of the conversation. The kids are just a number as well, just like us. When when yeah. we're in, you know, the, the mainstream of work, um, I know for every child, a school gets something like two grand or something. I don't know whether that's secondary school or from the government, they get money for getting a kid into school. So you can see where the incentive is. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's entirely correct, but I, I am sure that they get money for each child to get into school. So you can see why there's a bit of pressure to get them into school. Um, yeah. This is a quick fire round, a quick one, because um, <laughs> I am going proper over time. Right. Uh, who was your Who was your hero growing up? Growing up, I don't know, someone fictional. Ryu from Street Fighter. Cool. Favorite app that you like to use or an app that you're using a lot right now? Uh, app that I like to use Telegram. Telegram? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, your favorite meal? If it's not something by my mom, lasagna. Oh, good choice. Uh, TV show that you're watching right now? um i like i don't watch a lot of tv <laughs> i don't watch tv to be honest, the, I'm, I'm watching uh recently the planet planets by uh, brian cox cool. it gets me to sleep <laughs> <laughs> uh what would you say to your younger self i would say uh, in terms of advice advice that you give to your younger self i would say don't take your foot off the gas when you're winning Cool. Brilliant. Brilliant. Top three tips uh, for people who want to homeschool their child. Okay. Uh, I would say number one is trust yourself. If you can raise your child, you can teach your child. Uh, number two is your child doesn't need that kind of socializing that gets happens at school. You can give them a better quality of socializing at home. And I made a series of videos on this. And number three is your child will have a better education if you can focus it on just a few subjects rather than just learning a shallow amount on a broad range of subjects. Amazing. Amazing. Well, last question. What does health mean to you? Health is primary. Health is absolutely uh, the the first thing. And I'm very um, rigid with my health. 
I will eat a very boring diet because I know I'm getting nutritional value from it. It's health is fuel, you know, and if you're trying to operate at optimum peak performance all the time, then you need to look after it because I look after my kids three days a week, which means I only get a four day work week. And I'm trying to do all my training and everything in between that. So I can't get ill. I can't afford to get ill. I need to be operating at 100% seven days a week, every day of the year. So that's for me, health is primary. Plans for the future and where can everyone find you? So yeah, I am at performanceparenting.com. I'm also the youth schooler on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. My next, I'm actually launching a free course in the coming weeks. It's called uh, Screen Time Safety and Cleansing Guide. It's for parents who are introducing screen time to their children and also for parents whose kids are addicted. Uh, it'll give you a general idea of being aware of what your kids are watching, how much they should be watching, how you should be developing them, what kind of systems you can put in place for them to entertain them without screens. And that's going to come with a free community as well. Uh, we're going to build, you know, somewhere where we can talk about valuable forms of screen time, whether that's, you know, playing games, whether that's things that we've watched, whether that's new movies that are coming out. And essentially, I, my other course that is the paid course is about using screen time to train your kids to become better versions of themselves. We teach high performance and physical and academic pursuits that they have that's brilliant man it's brilliant right and that's it um yeah man thanks for your time man. i really appreciate this this is such an interesting topic for me and i'm sure there's people out there who are you know looking into homeschooling and seeing how they can go about it so uh no, thank you omar uh, and that was great speaking to you i was i'd happily speak to you again i think there's so much stuff uh more stuff we could have covered definitely yeah 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 i'm really up for that because um yeah i mean this is just about how to homeschool essentially and things that people are missing out on and the comparisons of school and homeschooling but yeah there's a lot of things we can uh inshallah uh cover in the future inshallah. okay bro okay take Thank care you. bro